0: One. We'll be reading Exodus 21, verses 1 through 6. Hear from the word of God. Now, these are the rules that you shall set before them. When you buy a Hebrew slave, he shall serve six years. And in the seventh, he shall go out free for nothing. If he comes in single, he shall go out single. If he comes in married, then his wife shall go out with him. If his master gives him a wife and she bears him sons or daughters, the wife and her children shall be her masters and he shall go out alone. But if the slave plainly says... I love my master, my wife, and my children. I will not go out free. Then his master shall bring him to God, and he shall bring him to the door or the doorpost. And his master shall bore his ear through with an awl, and he shall be his slave forever. The second passage is Exodus 23, verses 20 through 33. Exodus 23, verses 20 through 33. Hear the word of the Lord. Behold, I send an angel before you to guard you on the way and to bring you to the place that I have prepared. Pay careful attention to him and obey his voice. Do not rebel against him, for he will not pardon your transgression, for my name is in him. But... If you carefully obey his voice and do all that I say, then I will be an enemy to your enemies and an adversary to your adversaries. When my angel goes before you and brings you to the Amorites and the Hittites and the Perizzites and the Canaanites and the Hivites and the Jebusites, and I blot them out, you shall not bow down to their gods, nor serve them, nor do as they do, but... You shall utterly overthrow them and break their pillars in pieces. You shall serve the Lord your God, and he will bless you, and he will bless your bread and your water, and I will take sickness away from among you. None shall miscarry or be barren in your land. I will fulfill the number of your days. I will send my terror before you, and you will throw into confusion all the people against whom you shall come. And I will make all your enemies turn their backs to you. And I will send hornets before you, which shall drive out the Hivites and the Canaanites and the Hittites from before you. I will not drive them out from before you in one year, lest the land become desolate and the wild beasts multiply against you. Little by little, I will drive them out from before you until you have increased and possessed the land. And I will set your border from the Red Sea to the Sea of the Philistines, and from the wilderness to the Euphrates. For I will give the inhabitants of the land into your hand, and you shall drive them out before you. You shall make no covenant with them and their gods. They shall not dwell in your land, lest they make you sin against me. For if you serve their gods, it will surely be a snare to you. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Morning, church. It is a privilege to be here and know that God is with us. He's meeting with us today, and I have been praying that in a difficult test that have been hard for me to study and be diligent and understand it. I hope that by the grace of God, I can be faithful, and that God use it so that you can be enriched by His grace. And I am also thankful for the, a lot of prayers that you have sent me message. And by God's grace, I have been full of joy to receive those messages that have encouraged me. So uh, we will be starting talking about Exodus 21 through 23. And the title will be Worship, Worshiping the God of Justice. Worshipping the God of Justice. As I started my preparation for this sermon, I was constantly asking myself, how can I apply this test to my life? How can I apply, apply this test to my life? God, how can I see wonderful things in your law? I was moved by reading the words of King David in Psalms when he said, I will meditate on your precepts. And I will delight in your status. Open my eye that I behold wondrous things out of your law. Why does David delight in God's law? Because he knows that God is righteous and his rules are right. That is when I started to see more of God's wisdom and God's love. Because in his law, he makes provision for our good. And I want you to see this today, brethren. So let's get into it. As we think about the people of Israel, we see that they were called by God to be a counter-cultural community. These people saw how God worked. In miraculous way, by calling them out of bondage and powerfully displaying his mighty deeds while showing them that he is the only one true God. God has not only delivered them from the bondage of slavery, but from the powerful nation of Egypt. But he has drawn them to himself to meet him. So this is this is amazing. It's not only to about taking out of slavery, he's also taking it for for him. God is taking his people for him. And then God did the most astonishing thing that no other nation had ever experienced. He spoke to them from the mountain, giving the 10 commandments or the 10 words. Now God is setting his people apart and giving order To the community so that they show to all other nations that they are God's people. The law are there to show the world they are a counter-cultural community. A different community unlike any other from any other nation. This is where... People think that the section of Exodus is not quite interesting in comparison to the first 20 chapters. We see, we see babies thrown out of rivers, we see plagues that destroy land or kill people. No rivers turned into blood. We see many mighty deeds from God. We see many things. Instead, these next few chapters are about regulations laws, to do this or not to do this, a specific rule about how to live life among others. Doesn't sound as fun, right? (laughs) But even when it seems mundane, it is hugely helpful. This is where most of us live life. This is where most of us live life, in the mundane Every kind of getting up and going to work, getting up and changing the diapers, homeschooling, feeding the kids, going to school, these are ordinary rhythms of life. It is a blessing that God is not only showing that greater and bigger commandment, don't take my name in vain, don't murder, don't lie, don't commit adultery, And then leave us all there to figure out. You have to figure out how you live. You have to figure out what you do. No. We can see that God cares about all the details and area of life. And that is what is the most helpful thing that we can receive from this. He's teaching them to apply his law to every normal circumstance. And the principle found here can be applied to us as well. So even if they're part of you saying, this is not super exciting, I could tell you, this is immensely important to your life. Before we pray, let me ask you a question. How do you worship God in your normal daily life? How do you worship God in your normal daily life? Or we can ask the question differently: Are you living a life where it can be evidence that you are glorifying the Lord day in and day out? Let's pray. Let's pray, Church. Father in heaven, we know all scripture creature is inspired by you, and it is profitable for reproof, for correction, for instructions. In righteousness. And Lord, we know that as we read this portion, as we speak about this portion, we are challenged and we are encouraged to worship that only true God, that God will save us and redeem us. And they show the pattern to how we need to live life. Lord, teach us and help us, and your Holy Spirit be with us. Meet with us and save souls, Lord. We pray all this in the name of Jesus. Amen. How will we study Exodus 21 through 23? I will explain it in this way. First point, live as a cultural cultural community. In this first point, we have two sections. We have section A and section B. So, these respond to the "how we are to live life as a countercultural community. Part A: by being a holy people through loving your neighbor. By being a holy people through loving your neighbor. Part B: by paying attention to the word of God and His command. And second point: behold, I said. An angel before you. Behold, I send an angel before you. So as we are, we are are reading this, and we have like in our mind the reality that this is a lot of laws. This is the book of the covenant. So the people of Israel were making a covenant to God. Like God was making the covenant to them, and they say in, in Exodus 24:7, I have said to do this. So this is the book of the law. They are to worship God through living following this law. For that reason, we are going to our first point. Live as a counter-cultural community. Verse 1, now these are the rules that you should set before them. And here, Moses was to speak on behalf of God to the people of Israel. He was to show what this community needed to know. In this sense, Moses was to give some direction on how community must be ruled. He uses the word rule, which literally means judgment. In using this, Moses wants to express that God is giving order to that community. In other words, God wants Moses to give this community his rule, regulations, and principles that will govern them. These have the purpose to direct their life and set them apart from the other nations around them. Now, as we continue, I want you to know something in particular. I will not talk about all the details of every command because we will be three hours here. But my purpose for this sermon is to show what God is doing as he designed this community and how he's sharing them apart. And that is how this applies to us. We are a countercultural community that have to live apart from the world. We live in the world, but we have to be a holy people. We have to be a people who show Christ, who live for him. So coming back to our passage, we understand that God is giving rule in this first session of Ephesians chapter 21, verse 1 to 11. He started by describing that this community must be different by loving their slaves well, and well through caring and providing for them. He used the word, if you buy a Hebrew servant, he is to serve you for six years. So the word if, which represents a condition, in other words, God is saying, if this event occurred, you have to deal with it in this way. In this way. So let's read more about Exodus 21 2. If you buy a Hebrew servant, he is to serve you for six years, but in the seventh year, he should go free without paying anything. The reason why they became a servant or a slave. It's because the issue of debt. For example. If someone owe a big debt. To another person. He could become a slave. In order to pay it for it. In this case. The Israel had their slaves. Six years of service. And then they went free. Now. That was not the case. For all the nations. Around Israel. Look at the difference. God is separating Israel from the other nations by showing this law. So in nations around there, they always stay with the slave forever. But according to God's law, the slave were to to be cared for and to be provided for and then sent free at seven years of work. Regardless of the size of the debt, they went free without any debt. This demonstrates that God wants His people to be a countercultural community by promoting freedom and good care for their slaves. And when you look at this, you are like, "Do God is promoting slavery? No, He is showing a way where they can be free." And to understand this, let's look at Deuteronomy 15, 12. If your your brother, a Hebrew man or a Hebrew woman, is sold to you, he should serve you six years, and in the seventh year you should let him go free from you. And when you let him go free from you, you should not let him go empty-handed. You shall furnish him liberally, out of out of your flock out of your stretching floor and out of your winepress as the lord your god has blessed you you should give to him you should remember that you were a slave in the land of egypt and the lord your god redeemed you therefore i command you this today so look how look the difference between what the nations want to do to have a slavery forever, but these people of Israel have to be a countercultural community. And this shows you what a gracious God we have, who is merciful and cares for his people. So, in verse 5 of Exodus 21, we have a different... Selection, Because the servant here declared, I love my master and my wife and children. I don't want to go free. Then his master must take him before the judges. And he should take him to that door or doorpost, doorpost and pierce his ear with an awl. Then he will be his servant for life. Notice that slavery in Israel was not intended to be oppressive. And while this was the intent, we know the sins would work against them at times. But servants were called to be cared for and provided for. Why? They were to be part of the family. Some of them got married, got sons, daughters, and they were to be provided and being sustained. So what you are looking here is what is the picture of God to them. To see a slavery and to show them they have to be free. They have to be provided. They have to receive what what I bless you. And this is why we have to think like these people know this law. They fail to it. But God says in chapter 23, Behold, I sent an angel. And the angel was to protect and support and to protect and guard them. So they were, they were not alone. Because what they saw before was, what they learned before about slavery, what was it? It was Egypt. It was, the, it was Pharaoh who showed them how to treat a slave. So they are learning now from God. And that is why you see that God wants his people to be a counter-cultural community. So when we see that the servant says, I love my master, I love my wife and children, and I don't want to go free, this means something different, right? This means that he wants to stay because that master has provided for them and has cared for them. And for that reason, he said, I love my master and my wife and children. I do not want to go free. And this, is, this can help us find a gospel truth related to, the, to this verse. But first, we have to go and see some words that Moses says to the Pharaoh. To Pharaoh, in chapter 2, he says, Thus says the Lord, let my people go so that they may worship me. In other words, so that they may serve me. What we see in this passage is a transfer of allegiance from one master to another. God is now their master. God is the master of Israel, the people of Israel. For that reason, God is saying, let me give you the key of transfer of authority. You were serving Pharaoh, but now I am going to set you free, so you serve me. This, kind of, this sounds a little bit odd, but I want you to think. This God is transcendent, and he decided to meet with his people. And the beautiful thing is he redeemed them to be his God and repurposed these people to be the people of of God. And when you think of this, it's the same way for us. We were a slave to our sin. We follow the way of this broken world. But then God being rich in mercy, because of the great love which He loved us, even when we were deaf in our sin, made us alive in Christ. Through Jesus' perfect life and obedience and resurrection, we are no longer slaves to sin, but we are safe. Brothers and sisters, we are redeemed and we have been transferred to serve the Lord. Now, He is our master, and we can say this word because God loves us and leads us. Like the slave in verse 5. I don't want to leave. I love my master and he loves me. In this chapter, we see how God is dealing with slavery. He's showing that his people have to be a countercultural community. By loving the people that are being enslaved. But now, there is something different. We will see how the community... In chapter in chapter of chapter twenty one to twenty two, we will see how God wants this community to love their neighbors as themselves. So how we how can we be a countercultural community when we love our neighbor as ourselves? In this chapter, God is addressing different laws regarding murder. A relationship between parents and children, a stealing among others. Let's let's read Exodus twenty one twelve to seventeen. Whoever strike a man so that he die sorry so that he die should be put to death. But if he did not lie in wait for him, but God let him fall into his hand, then I will appoint for you a place to which he may flee. But if a man willfully attacks another to kill him by cunning, you should take him from my altar that he may die. And one who strikes his father or his mother shall certainly be put to death. No one who kidnaps someone, whether he sells him or he is found in his possession, shall certainly be put to death. Shall certainly be put to death. And one who curses his father or his mother shall certainly be put to death. And what we see is shot put to death. Shot put to death. And this this is hard to read and you say, whoa, how can I read this? What well, what I want you to see is God, God is saying that the sanctity of life that is in the Ten Commandment, you should not murder is precious to God. The sanctity of life is precious to God. You cannot kill anybody because you want to kill him, because they are, they are made in the image of God. And what God is saying here is not go and kill. What God is trying to say, you have to be a countercultural community of loving, loving human life. How you treat your neighbor you don't hate it and then you kill him. They're saying, God is saying, be a countercultural community by loving them, by esteeming their life. So God, people were to be set apart to not allow murder, which goes all the way to back to Genesis. Whoever sheds the blood of man, by man should his blood be shed, for God may He's in his own image. And as we see this, we see that God protects life. And God considers life precious. Even in the womb, he considers life precious. But God is also fully comprehending that fragility and accidents can be part of human life. And he protects the innocent by giving them refuge in a place where they may flee. Now, as we keep going, we know that God has a design for the home. He wants the parents to care for the children. He wants the children to obey their parents. For this please the Lord. And when we see the great, one of the greatest commandments in Exodus 20, 12, Honor your father and your mother that your days may be long in the land the Lord your God is giving you. God is designing a different way of looking at life. Parents and sons have to love each other, have to care for each other. They have to be a different society. You have to to tell to the world, this is my son, I love him so much, and I care for him, and I want to be teaching to him how to work, in a way that we honor, in a way I honor God, and as we see that, we see that parents are to care their children, to care for their children, and children are to honor and love their parents. And you will say, "Oh, how can they do this perfectly?" Well, I will go out again. They fail, but I will repeat. Chapter 23, behold, I will send an angel that will guard you and will be with you. And as we think about this, parents, children, you are to love your parents. You have to care for them. Parents, you are not to separate your sons. But look at me, God. We'll give you the grace to deal with it. As God will send an angel, we have the gospel through Christ to Christ that we can show our kids how to be loved. How to be loving unconditionally. Because Jesus himself loved unconditionally in the cross. By the gospel, we can learn how to be a model in the family. Even when it's hard, even when parenthood is hard, even when we don't know how to care for our children, God is with you. And this is what he's saying. God is not only giving instructions so that you kill somebody because you do this. God is want his people to be a counter cultural community so that all the nations say, This family love God that way? I want to be part of that family. That is what he's saying there. And brother, when you see this, don't think about the law as something that, oh, I don't want to do this. No, think about the law about this is the loving God revealing his justice and the way that life must be done. Loving your parents, caring for your children. In another aspect, we see Laws regarding stealing. If a man steals an ox or a sheep, this is in Exodus 20, verse 22, and kills it or sells it, he should repay five oxen for an ox and four sheep for a sheep. Remember the Eighth Commandment? Do not steal. In these sections, God is showing that the community must be known for loving their neighbors. Not for stealing or taking advantage over them, but committing in love. So committing an offense requires also restitution. And not only restitution, but even more is repaid depending on the infraction. That is what the law is picturing. We see the picture beautifully in the account of Zacchaeus. In Luke 19, 1 through 10. Zacchaeus declared, And I have defrauded anyone of anything I restore it fourfold. Jesus respond in the, is that salvation Jesus respond is this the salvation has come to his house the salvation has come to his house this is the heart of repentance so stealing were not supposed to be part of God's people God want his people to be a Community who love the needy, who love the widows, who love the orphans, who love people, to honor parents, to love the way as God loved them. God delivered them from sin and he demonstrated his love. And now he wants his people to reciprocate the love that God has shown to them. By loving their neighbors, by loving their neighbors. One application that we can see as a people of God is that God establishes law to create community that live for Him. The community should promote the flourishing, the benefit of everybody in it. As church, Covenant Life Church, you are to live with one another. You are not to take advantage of anybody, but you have to be marked by freedom, liberty, joy, through helping and serving one another. And I know, church, that you are a very loving community, a gospel-centered community. And I have received that from the first, from the first day I begin to start meeting in this church. But I want to keep reminding you, church, Never is enough. Keep growing in the Lord. Like Acts 4.34 says, Nor was there anyone among them who lacked for all who were possessors of the lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of the things that were sold and laid them at the feet, And they distributed to each as anyone had needed. And also we see Galatians 5.13. For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love, serve one another. Church, I know you love one another. I am encouraged by that. And that gospel will encourage you more because when we love without interest, when we think on Philippians and we think that it's better to think not in our own interest, but in others, we are serving others, and we are loving others. And that demonstrates what? That we are a countercultural community who will be a example for others when they see us. What, do, what does the community do? They seek to build and provide and care for one another, so that there is no bar in desperate needs in their midst. In, the, in this next section, we see a long list of things that are not acceptable for God's people to do, such as sexual immorality, sorcery, idolatry, idolatry, the mistreatment of widows, orphans, sojourners, lying, among others. God chosen people, they were to be holy and set apart from the other nations. So Exodus 22:31 describes how the people must live. You should be holy people to me. You should be a holy people to me. That sounds familiar, right? Exodus tells the story of how God called them and rescued them out of slavery by his own power to be his people. Now they were to be holy. Church, that applies to us too. When you see 1 Peter 2, it says, But you are a chosen people. You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. God's special possession that you may declare the praise of him who called you out of darkness into the wonderful light. You were in darkness. You were slave of sin. Now you are in the light. You're in the light because of Christ. Christ died. He resurrected. And then when you believe in him, you receive light. You are welcome to the light. And what is happening here, here, is that not only we are in the light, but we are considered a holy nation. A priesthood. A special possession. Do you think about that, brother? Do you, sister, do you think about that? You are a special, a special possession of God. This is not deserving, brother. God, who is infinite. He's talking to you today, and he's saying, you are my people. I save you. I redeem you. I, I give you the price of Christ so that you are redeemed and you are to be now the beautiful, beautiful picture. We are to be like him, conformed to the image of Christ. This holy one has called you to himself out of darkness into light. You were not a people; you did not have mercy, but now you have received mercy. Now we are going to our second section, Part B. How do we live life as a countercultural community by paying attention to the word? of God and his command. Exodus 23:13 says, Pay attention to all that I have said to you and make no mention of the names of other gods, nor let it be heard on your lips. This word contained an authoritative warning. The people of Israel needed to be diligent in keeping the requirement of the covenant, especially regarding idolatry. They were to be on guard and pay attention to the law of God. Because the land that they were conquered would be full of enemies. But not only that, those nations have so many idols that, I could, that it could lead the people of Israel to fall into idolatry. And that is the warning. That is the, the, the thing that we have to pay attention. We are to pay attention to all these things, he's saying. So as the nation of Israel read all the laws, they were to meditate on that. They were to think about that. They were to think of God's character. That is why they were to pay careful attention by doing what? To know and understand God's command, obey Him faithfully, and walk with Him. How does this apply to our life? When we are in tribulations, when the enemy is near us, or when temptation comes, we have to remember God's words and God's promise. We are to add in obedience to his word. We are to walk with Christ. And this is the thing that you have always to be in alert. You have to nourish in the word of God. Why? Because that will give you a sense and love and a deepest joy for God. Because if you don't meditate on that word, it is difficult to to work those circumstances that are hard, those moments that it's difficult to deal with. And not only that, your normal daily life. It is difficult without Christ. It is difficult, brother. And God wants His people to remember how to live a countercultural community by paying attention to the Word of God. Now, our final point Behold, I sent an angel before you. Behold, I send an angel before you. In other words, pay attention. Meditate on this. I will send an angel before you. The book of the covenant ends with final instructions. But there is something stunning about what God says at the end. Look at Exodus 23, 20 22 Behold I send an angel before you to guard you on the way and to bring you to the place that I have prepared pay careful attention to him and obey his voice do not rebel against him for he will not pardon your transgression for my name is in him but if you carefully obey his voice and do all that I say then I will be an enemy to your enemies an adversary to your adversary God is saying here, He's going to send an angel, and you will ask me, "Okay, Kevin, I mean, who is that angel?" So, the angel is Christ. It's like we we define it as a Christophany. And why is Christ? What is the sec? Why is the second person of the Trinity? So there are two things. He said. Pardon your transgression. He will not pardon your transgression. Only God can pardon transgression. So, this angel is Christ. And only that, the name, he says, my name is in him. So, this is where where we can see that it is a deity, but it's described as an angel. An angel usually means messenger, a messenger. So God says, He's going to say his angel, this messenger will protect them and will bring them to the place that God has prepared. There is a grace, they are not alone. So we have been telling you all this law. And you're like, how can they obey that? They are imperfect. They are sinners like me. We are sinners. How can we obey that? But the thing is, there is an important thing. Behold, I sent an angel before you to guard you on the way. There is grace, brother. There is sister. There is grace. So in order to this nature be a holy community, they, needs, they need Christ. They need that angel to be with them. And as we think about this, what God is doing is he wants to say, I will walk with you. I will walk with you and I will provide protection and care for you. So sometimes we are, t- we, we are burdened because when we are obeying the Lord and we don't see results, we are like, oh Lord, why? Why did this happen? But look at this. God will be with you. He, was, he, sent his, he sends His Son, Jesus Christ, for us. And He is who, the one who sustains it with His grace. And that is what have to sustain when we are faithfully obeying the Lord. Not by burden, but by a love for God. By a love for God. Now returning to the passage, we find a street warning. Pay careful attention to him. Obey his voice. Do not rebel against him. Why? Because your sin will not be forgiven since God's name is in him. Yet, if the people listen to the messenger doing What God says, then God will bless them. And there, and here is what almost shocked my mind. And I am talking about God gives warning first, and He gives a multitude of blessings. And He said, You have to obey me. But what we have to center is in this: God will give you grace. Because He says. I will guard you, and I will protect you, and I will care for you. And that is what the blessings were, you will be an enemy to their enemies. There is 12 blessings. You will be an adversary to their adversaries. When they encounter the enemy nations, God will wipe them out. God will bless their bread and water. God will take the sickness away from them. None of their women will miscarry. None of their women will be barren. God will fulfill the number of the days. There there will be terror and confusion for the enemies. The enemies will run from from them. God will drive out their enemies from the land little by little. They will inherit the promised land. Whoa, a lot of lists. But what this reminds me is about heaven. In heaven, we will not have enemy. And like John says, he will wipe away every tears from their eyes, and death should not be more. Neither should there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain, for the former thing has passed away. So think about this. This is a scenario of a lot of blessing show us that if they were to obey faithfully and go to the promised land, they would experience all of this. But do you know that that was not? Right? That was not happening. Why? Because they fail. But what what you want to see here, brethren, is that we and all the Israelites that believe in Jesus by thinking in the future, they were blessed to be part, they will be blessed to be part in heaven because there they will experience that. They will experience. The perfect community that will reflect His character. They will experience the blessing to not have enemy. They will experience the blessing to not have death. And this makes us think about blessing that we have through Christ. Christ is the one who is the most treasuring thing to think about. This angel went before the people of Israel to garden and bring them to the promised land. And this is the way, such as Israel had the promise that the angel would go before them and garden, we too have the promise of God. He who began the good work, he will bring it in completion in the day of Jesus Christ. Not only that, Jesus, our King and Savior, is coming. He also will be with us in the promised land, heaven. And this is to think, brother, they don't experience heaven, or in a sense, Canaan, in the sense that it says blessings, because why? Because they disobey the Lord. But you are thinking, oh, we also disobey. But there is an important thing. God sent Christ. And it is to Christ that we can go to heaven. Why? Because he died on the cross. Like it says in Corinthians 5.21, For our sake he made himself to be seen who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. He died, he resurrected, and from there we are people, we are sons and daughters of the king of kings, Lord and Lord, Jesus Christ, who will say we will be in heaven with him forever. But now, brethren, as we think about this, we are to treasure Christ and obey him faithfully. But he will give us grace as we obey. But now, talking about the people of Israel, we know that they fail. And did not enjoy the promise of God. Why? Because they re- rebelled. In fact, Isaiah showed this to be the case. In all their affliction, he was afflicted. And the angel of his presence saved them. In his love and his spirit, he redeemed, redeemed them. He lifted them up and carried them all the days old. But they rebelled and grieved his Holy Spirit. Therefore, he turned to be their enemy and himself fought against them so does the hope of israel was lost does the hope of israel was lost because of their disobedience let me ask you another question do you think there is hope for you today unbelief if you are a if you are not a believer do you think there is hope for you today Listen to Malachi, the last prophet of Israel. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the great and awesome day of the Lord. And he will turn their heart of father to their children, and the heart of children to their fathers. This is a promise to Israel. They disobey, but God hath not forsaken them. He has given the promise of Jesus Christ. And the hope is beyond that promise that that Elijah will prepare the way for the Messiah. And this is talking about John. But John prepared the way for the Lord so that he makes his path straight. And that is where Jesus came into the world to save sinners by dying on the cross and and dying on the cross and resurrecting on the third day. And as, as we see this, he satisfied the justice of God because we sins against him and he do it by dying. He paid the price, he resurrected, that validates he, that he risen from the death, and from there, that is the hope that the Israel was waiting. And now you, if you are not a believer, think about this. You cannot have hope following the laws, but there was only one person who fulfilled the law forever and ever, and he was perfect in everything that he do, and he was Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. Even when we fail to the law, he loved us. He think about. He chose his people from the very beginning, and he said, "This will be my people. I will die with them. I will die, and I will save them." And what he's saying here is, if you repent from your sin and you believe in him, you have everlasting life. And I plead with you, my dear friend, don't let your soul be lost. Don't let your soul be lost. Believe me, this Jesus whom I am talking, he is a wonderful savior. And he saved me. And he can save you, brother. He can save you. Don't wait until the last day of your death. Wait. He is the treachery in Christ. If you experience him, it's better than a dozen days of life here. And I want you to think about it. In summary, we have been looking at living as a countercultural community. How? By being a holy people through loving your neighbor. By paying attention to the word of God and his command. And this is only made through the gospel of Christ. We can only be sustained by that gospel. And only through this gospel we can make things happen. So brethren, behold Christ. Behold Christ. Let's pray. Father in heaven, Lord, you are wonderful. Your laws are beautiful and we delight on it. And Lord, as a people that you have called, that you have redeemed, teach us to obey faithfully by reminding Christ. Christ did all what what we need to be Our sin he paid and he resurrected. And that is the only hope that we have, Lord. We pray all of this in the name of Jesus. Amen.